Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection, with free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of Pro Shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also, check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, from Washington, D.C., and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Joining us today is Dr. Dean Hinnitz. Dr. Dean is considered the leading authority on bowling psychology. He's worked with several members of the PBA, worked with Team USA. If you want to find out more about how to get in touch with Dr. Dean and where to work with Dr. Dean, please check out his website, which is www.drhinitz.com. Dot com for more on Dr. Dean and where he's going to be. No, he has a very busy schedule this summer. Also going to have a link to that website in the in the, uh, in the the write-up for the podcast here, so check that out as well. Uh, also, make sure you check out Dr. Dean's book, which is focused on bowling. Going to have a link to that, uh, link to the Amazon site where you can purchase that book as well. Lots of great stuff in there to, uh, to help bowlers take their game to that next level. But uh, without further ado, Dr. Dean, I want to thank you for joining us today on the Above180.com podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it a lot. Well, Dr. Dean, I thought we'd get you on the show. Me and Joe have been focusing a lot on bowling and, and helping bowlers improve their games, their physical games. And we have not had someone on who can help bowlers improve their mental game. And we, we all know that there's more to it than just the physical aspect of things. So we want to get you on to talk about really some of the things that bowlers need to work on mentally because really what uh, just what met with Mike Jazz now and, and what he said your mind – thinks is what your body's going to do. So thought it'd be great to get on with you and, and talk, talk about that and just really, could you first off just stress the importance of having someone, having a good person to talk to and having someone, uh, a psychologist and having someone to help with bowlers' thoughts because we're, we're kind of weird creatures, aren't we? <laughs> bowlers, I don't know if we're weird creatures. I, I guess every bowler I've ever known and uh, particularly the better they get, are, are about two bad shots from sort of melting down and two phenomenal shots from having a, an experience of heaven on earth. And it seems to roll both ways and quickly. Um, but uh, you're talking about importance of uh, mental game. And, and really, people sometimes they want to make a distinction between mental game and physical game and say, oh, how much is, how much is physical and how much is mental? And they'll give some sort of percentage. And uh, I would say that the distinction is is actually artificial. You know, you mentioned Mike Jazz now, and he's a phenomenal physical game coach. I would also say he's a phenomenal mental game coach because when he gives you a point of focus, he talks about tucking your elbow in or, you know, picking up your third step, it's a, it's a mental awareness, it's an awakeness that you have that all of a sudden improves your game. And if he just changes something physical, but you can't focus on it or you can't remember it or you can't feel it, then it's really then even those changes aren't made. So, from my point of view, the game's a hundred percent physical, but it's also a hundred percent mental. Oddly enough, 
I have a question for you regarding focus, and I think we're, we're going to touch on many different bases here during the show, uh, but, but let's just touch on focus since you mentioned that. Does focus or the ability to focus and lock in deteriorate somewhat with age, or do you feel it's a, a skill that needs to be developed and nurtured and can actually improve with age? Well, that's a great question. Actually, rarely have ever asked. It's one of those skills that can get better with age because younger, and I don't, I don't mean to overgeneralize, but there's a lot of different things that a person can be concerned about. Oh, you know, what do I look like? And, you know, am I bowling well? And what are they going to think if I flag this four pin or, you know, whatever it is? And as you get older and you start learning what kinds of things are important and what, and what are not, uh, your focus and your ability to sort of hold on to the most important thing can become enhanced, improved, and actually far superior to that of a younger player. So how about, again, as a bowler matures in his game, say past 30, 40, 50, 60 years of age, you're yes. saying there's basically no limit? There's no limit, and you could take a 75-year-old bowler who could have a mental game that could lap a 25-year-old high-rev player bowler. Sounds fair enough to me, and, and being 59 years of age, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Now, it's all better ahead of you. <laughs> so, so, so the mental so, game aspect, truly, you know, if there's something that our culture has really lost, it's sort of recognizing some of the enhanced qualities and abilities that we can gain as we age, and we're in one of the few sports that, you know, physically, we can do a long time, as everybody sort of knows, but mentally, and you know this, perhaps from playing any action games that you guys get involved in, you can play against some older players that you're just thinking, oh, my God, if that guy's locked in, you know, this is going to be a big problem. Because if one of the things you learn as you get older is what is the most important thing to think about or what's the most important thing to focus on and what don't I really have to worry about. And when you get that clear, you can get really free to play. Well, you know, through my experience uh, being older, my physical skills have diminished over the years, and, and I need to work harder to try and hold on to what little skills I have left. So with this focus, I mean, are there practice techniques that bowlers can use to, say, develop these, these skills to focus stronger and, and take each shot, you know, on its own merit? In other words, one shot at a time, not even one frame at a time, but one shot at a time? Yes, I mean... To use a math term, um, thoughts are binary, meaning either or, one or ten, black or white, yes or no. And what I mean by that is you'll have different thoughts come in or different points of focus, and for each one of them, you can say, is this thought going to help me throw a better shot or not? Is this thought going to help me win the tournament or not? Will this shot help me you know, execute or not? And as I say, binary. And every thought you have or every point of focus you have is yes or no. If you think, boy, how stupid would I look if I missed this easy spare, you go, wait a minute, is that thought going to help me execute? No. <laughs> and then you say, well, okay, I'm going to stay down at the line no matter what. Is that thought going to help me execute? And you go, yeah, all right, that's going to be my thought for this frame. And we have a lot of choices, like tons of choices. Um, but they are all either forwarding towards you scoring and executing or they're sort of reversing, taking away from your game. 
Well, Dr. Dean, I have a question for you regarding bowling and, and how it relates to other sports. And people, you know, it's just a, a fact of life where baseball players, football, every sport you do, people will get in slumps where people will not be, like you said, missing that easy spare or striking out or, or you know, oh for their last 20 in baseball or interceptions. Is bowling any different, though, than, a diff- than, than say, your, your baseball or football or other sports? Or is bowling kind of the same animal, just a different little uh, – intricacies to the to uh, when you get in that slump well there's a couple of things about bowling actually you can first you, you make sports into two categories one is sports that have defense and sports that don't sports where you self-start like bowling or sports where you react I mean, we can think of tons of them you're returning a tennis serve you know dodging a, a defensive back ducking for a baseball whatever it is and so Sports that have reaction in some ways are easier because we're hardwired for you know, almost evolutionarily to respond and to react. And there's some things that come in automatically there. But when you have to self-start like a diver or a gymnast or a golfer or a bowler, that's a whole different sort of class of uh, sort of athletic ability and mental ability as well. Uh, and in that... Uh, bowling shares a lot with some of these other sports. Um, if you want to look at baseball, it shares a lot with pitching. If you want to look at basketball, it shares a lot with free throw shooting. If you want to look at gymnastics, it shares a lot with, with that sport other than not so life-threatening at times. Um, golf, obvious parallels. difference with bowling is we have a lot happening in a short period of time. And so you, in golf, you make a good shot or a bad shot, and you have a long time before your next you reload and go again. In bowling, well, you're up again in within a half a minute, and so you've got to get yourself square and right and next moment in time at a rate and a pace that very few other sports sort of set up. So what is one way then that a bowler will sabotage his own thought process, uh, young or old? What, what's one thing that we do that, that we shouldn't be doing and does not help our game? Bowlers are uh, uh, they're prone to past and future thinking in, in a way that, that happens fast. So let's take something sort of benign relatively. You, you throw what you think is a fairly decent shot, come in a little bit light, leave a five pin. And uh, so your ball doesn't have a lot of drive through. And there's that five pin. You've got a lot of things going on right there. You could be thinking about, why do you leave a five pin? You know, I thought it was going to be in a good spot. So right there you're in rearview mirror. Not a bad thing to do for a moment because you do want to know why things happen, but we can tend to stay there, and then we can shift to, well, how am I not going to do that next time? And then we can shift to, you know, an external viewpoint, like what do people think? I, you know, I've got no drive on my ball. I'm leaving a five pin. And then you can shift to who could miss one of these? You know, uh, you know there it is, this, this stock of corn in the great plains, the middle of the great plans or something. And we have a lot of things that will take us away from that simple moment of just sort of walking, being present, releasing, throwing a, a sweet shot, and getting out of all those consequential thoughts. And um, you know, I've been out on tour uh, a fair amount, and I've seen literally PBA Players of the Year whiffing five pins. Well, we know that's well within their skill set to make, but we also know based on my interviews with them later, that they were not present for the shot. They weren't where they were. Uh, why did I leave it? How will I not leave it le- next time? How am I going to make sure that I don't look stupid missing it? All these extraneous thoughts. 
You know, earlier this week, Dr. Dean, I watched some of the pros bowling in the PBA Summer Swing, and I always like to look into their eyes, basically, you know, to see how truthful and honest they may be as I ask them a question. And I look into some of these eyes of these players, and these are quality bowlers, and some have been bowlers of the year, and I see a lot of self-doubt. Uh, yes. almost like it, it's happened to everyone. Right? The wheels come off, and, and they, they doubt their abilities, and these are PBA champions. Yes. How do they get that back? As I said, I don't care what level of bowler you are. You're two consecutive parable shots from being kind of nutty. And, you know, the, the flip side, the reverse of self-doubt is confidence. And, and the question is, how do I get confidence back? Most people base it on the wrong things. They think that confidence comes from carry. Our confidence, confidence comes from having enough titles or whatever it is, but as you just mentioned, it doesn't. If confidence came from that alone, then these guys who won player of the year or who have 10 or 15 titles, they would never lose it. But confidence comes basically from trusting yourself to execute under any circumstance. It's an uh, internally generated phenomenon that says, if I say I'm going to do something, I will do it. Not, I'm going to strike if I say I'm going to strike or I'll spare if I'm going to spare. It's much more internal. I know I'll keep my hands soft if I say I'll keep my hands soft. I know I'll keep my elbow in if I, know, if I say I'm going to do that. I know I'm going to stay you know, graceful and smooth if I'm committed to that. Confidence comes at the most basic level from, being, from knowing you will keep your word to yourself. Whatever you say you'll do, you do. I'm not saying... I, you know, the results oriented, I'll, I'll win this tournament, I said it, so I did it, or I'm, I'm going to get 10 in a row, I said it, so I'll do it. It's keeping your word about what you're going to do in terms of your focus or your body movement or your follow-through or whatever it is. It's, uh, to reiterate, just as you would develop confidence in someone in business or in a relationship, it's when they say it and do it that you go, okay, I have confidence in this person, and the end of the day have confidence in me and once you have that you can never play worse and then sometimes if it's your day or you match up or you've chosen you know you've chosen the right everything if it's your day and you play that way you know then you get to have what you get to have which is you know titles money and cuts when you get to have them so dr dean let's uh let's i got a question for you regarding let's say you have uh you set a goal a lot of people at the USBC Open down in Reno, down down by you, coming down and bowling, bowling uh, other numerous tournaments, bowling their state tournament, bowling all sorts of tournaments. Let's say they go to one of these tournaments and they don't bowl well. Now, how long – dwell is the wrong word, but how long should you at least have that thought in the back of your mind or do you get that out of your mind as, as soon as you can or do you go back and reflect and say, okay, well, here's why, and then you put it away and put it put it off – or how do because you don't want to keep repeating the same issue? Do you go back and look at your practice and and leading up to the event and your preparation and then your mental game and all sorts of things? Or how should someone go about that if if they you know they they didn't meet their goal or expectation that they set for themselves? Well, it's a really great question. There, there's only three things that can go wrong if it doesn't go well. I mean, it would cook it all down. It's like, well, what, why didn't that work? And it can, A, it can just be bad planning. You didn't read the oil pattern right. You didn't match up. Whatever's happening on the lanes, you guessed wrong or you didn't study it correctly or whatever it is. So one of the things that can go wrong is you just 
you're in the wrong field of play, wrong arrow, wrong line, wrong ball, wrong speed, whatever it is. That's one of the things that can go wrong. You just you didn't get it. The second thing that can go wrong is there's something in your body that you, you just weren't aware of. Your elbow was floating, you're, you know, you're popping up at the line, you, whatever it is. There's something in your body that you were doing and it wasn't working. And you either know it or you don't. And really what great coaching is designed to do, you know, like when you work with Mike or anybody else, it's simply designed to make you aware of things that were that you weren't aware of. And so when you get sort of the motor geniuses out there like, you know, Kim Terrell or Carolyn Dorn Ballard or Chris Barnes or any of these guys, they know where their body is in space so much that there's very little that's outside of their awareness. So when they don't bowl well, their coaches just say, you know, here's what you missed, and it's fixed right away. All right? So you, you could have missed something on the lanes. You might have missed something in your body. And the last thing to look at is sort of your, your heart, which is were you playing to win or were you playing not to lose? Were you playing in fear or were you playing free? The only things you can correct are lane play, body play, and commitment play. And you back up and you go, why didn't I win that tournament? Or why didn't I, you know, why didn't I cash? Or why didn't I do great at nationals or whatever it is? It's going to be one of those three. Once you have it, or you go after it with your mental game coach or physical game coach or whoever it is, you know, then you have it. And then it's not necessary to review. It's like if you and I were taking a walk, and you kept falling every 10 feet. And finally I said, hey, Tim, Joe, you know, did you notice your shoe's untied? And you, you look down and you go, oh, so it was a physical thing. Yeah, I had a, I had a shoe problem. Exactly. Once you get that, all your, you, you know, you repair it. You tie your shoe and you go on. You don't sweat parking lot walking anymore. So you're and saying in a nutshell, for most league bowlers, the importance of having your own personal coach or at least that second set of eyes really comes into play regardless of your skill level. I, I think any athlete from top of the mountain to the beginner needs somebody outside of themselves to just go, here's, here's what I'm seeing. And it's an act of courage to ask because sometimes, you know, it can be uncomfortable to get some feedback when, like, nobody wants to look in the mirror and see a blemish. And basically, when our games aren't perfect, it can feel like a blemish. But at any level, uh, you know, as you know, the best of the best still want somebody outside of them saying, you know, somebody they can ask, what did you see? Now, I, I have another question on a, a little different note for you, but it's kind of like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Uh, I've had many discussions about the mental game controlling the physical game and vice versa, the physical game controlling the mental game. I've long had the belief, now I may be totally wrong here, but the physical game I've experienced most often can help control bowlers' mental games because if they know in the back of their mind they're not performing or can perform, their mental game is, is a shambles. So what are your thoughts about that? So are you saying knowing you perform is mental or physical? Well, what I'm saying is we know the importance of the, your mental game and physical game, but yes. which controls which more? Does the physical right. game control your mental game more or does the mental control the physical? Okay, well, for starters, you know, it's a bit of a trick question because people sometimes say, are the body and the mind connected? And the answer is no, they're not. They are all one thing. It's one closed system. Uh, and I'll give you an example. If 
if you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, and you start thinking about the early days of your dating, and you start thinking, what did we do? We went to this park, we went to this fair, we went, you know, did whatever we did. You start thinking about it, and you start to have a good feeling inside, and you have some positive memories, maybe a little smile on your face. The thoughts themselves, the ways you're directing your thinking, will actually change the neurotransmitters in your brain. And you'll have, you'll have warmth, you'll have happiness, you'll have more feelings of confidence just by directing your thinking. We go, okay, well, what came first here? You know, in this case, it's the thoughts. Just like if you think about past victories or past times that you had to get number 12 for a 300 or whatever it is, if it was a good experience, the thinking itself will change your physical body. It will change you, your, your, literally your brain chemistry. Now, on the other hand, we can back up and go and say, well, your brain chemistry is going to determine whether you're in a good mood or a bad mood. And that's true, too. So what we do with bowlers is we say anywhere we can intervene is going to affect the whole machine. So I can work on your confidence and, and help you remember that you know what you're doing. We can work with, you know, we can work with, with someone like Mike Jazz now and go, okay, I've got some real keys that are going to help me really feel good about the game I'm playing and where I'm going to play these lanes. Knowing that, you know, again, is going to, is going to, steer, it's going to steer your mood. It's going to steer your confidence level. When your confidence level is high, you're going to execute with freedom. When you execute with freedom, you already know you carry the back row way more frequently because there's more energy in the ball, and it's all circular. So what came first? You cannot say. It's one system, and all of it affects all of it all the time. So, Dr. Dean, one of the things that um, that I get my, – my own mental game gets into this is I, I walk into certain places, and one of them is down by you, uh, the, the Grand Sierra – bowling center yep. I, I just have never bowled well there and just by me saying that i, I guess i'm probably <laughs> never gonna bowl well there but how do bowlers get out of that because you hear that all the time when you're whether it's a league play or whether it's i never bowl good at the stadium or i never bowl good here so how right. do you change that to say you know what clean slate i'm starting over this is the first time i'm walking into this center and i'm gonna bowl well here <laughs> right so be like <laughs> to a restaurant and there's a certain kind of food you like, and you say, well, I've never really had good pancakes here. And I, and I say to you, guess what? New chef, they've improved their ingredients. It's not even the same restaurant as last time you were here. You go, okay, let's give it a whirl, because maybe it'll be good this time. It's the same thing with you coming to, to any particular bowling center. You're not even who you were the last time you were there. You've had some successes. You've had some failures. You've had some coaching. You know, you're... You've, you've worked on your conditioning, or maybe you've, you've gained 10 pounds or lost 10 pounds, whatever it is, you're not even who you were last time you were there unless you're so convinced that it's the same that you're going to make it happen. And it's the understanding, I'm not even who I was a month ago, you know, nor are you, unless you really sort of undo all that. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's the possibility of a completely fresh experience that allows new people to be champions. Otherwise, we'd have only only those people who had won before, only those people who had bowled in certain centers well before, they'd be the only ones to do it again. But it's the understanding that we're designed for transformation, really, that lets us do something like that. I'm convinced we could pull you back into this town, take 20 to 40 minutes together, and have you go in and bowl as well as you could at Grand Sierra or anywhere else. So, so, Doctor, can you, in summary, give our, our listeners 
let's say, a, a quick synopsis of how they can get out of their own way and just be the best bowler they can actually be? Yes. Um, so my quick synopsis would be this. All thought, every thought either helps you win or not, helps you execute a shot or not, and you get to pick which, which one you're going to have. You don't chase thoughts away. You don't go, oh, get away from me if it's an uncomfortable thought. You just say, whatever, you can sit here, but here's the thought I'm going to have. And that thought can always be about lane play, your body, or your heart, you know, in terms of just playing to win. You get to choose your point of focus. That's one of the most important things. The other thing generally, and I can't really go into it too much here, but the development of confidence really is sort of one of the biggest mental game staples of the sport. And that is to have confidence in a nutshell is having faith in yourself. It's not in faith in the world. It's not faith in the results. It's not faith in other players. Confidence is faith in yourself. And the development of that, I think, is one of the ultimate keys to playing really well. And probably lastly here, as you said, to have somebody you consult with that you trust to see and to know you is essential for improvement at any level of the sport, whether you're sub-180 or plus 230, you know, as a bowler. Um, yeah, I can't sort of stress that enough. I think that'd probably be the top three for for starters. So why as bowlers is our confidence seem to be more fragile than other other folks out there? I think because the, the lane has, uh, not the lane, the game itself has so many variables and the beauty of it is you never get to really lock in. You know, the oil changes with every shot, and your, you know, your body changes throughout the night. And, you know, there's so much that, that does change as we go that you never get to just say, you know, I'm just going to go you know, over the bar, under the bar, and, and it's going to work. Or I'm just going to keep my elbow in, and it's going to work. That it's like a, we're like a car that has all kinds of parts that we always have to be aware of and we always have to keep in tune. Sometimes it's the tires, sometimes it's the carburetor, sometimes it's, you know, it's whatever. And and what makes it interesting and what zaps our confidence is things get out of gear and we can't always trust that we can get them right back in. Well, again, I want to thank Dr. Dean Hinnitz for joining us. Uh, his book is called Focused on Bowling. It's on Amazon. We're going to have a link in, uh, on Above180.com as well for folks who want to pick that up. And, Dr. Dean, quickly before we go, where can folks uh, find you this summer? I know you're very busy. You're working with Team USA. You're going to be down at Bowl Expo. But where else can people come down and, and see you? Because I think sometimes we need to focus on, on our mental as much as we focus on our physical game. Well, if you have a question, I'm, uh, my email's really easy. It's, uh, uh, well, actually, I have a website, drdeanhinnitz.com um, uh, is, uh, is my, my website. But uh, um, my, my email is deanhinnitz, you know, it's how it sounds, D-E-A-N-H-I-N-I-T-Z at gmail.com. So deanhinnitz at gmail.com. And... Uh, uh, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me uh, is either through my, my website or my email address. And then quickly, just some of the stuff that you're you're going to be doing this summer. Well, I'll be at I'll be at the Bowl Expo Coaches Conference here down in Las Vegas at the end of June, and then uh, out at the uh, Turbo Grips uh, Collegiate Expo uh, in uh, early July out in Detroit. It's sort of a college prep uh, and you know, Expo actually is what it is for uh, those going to college bowling. And then um, 
out at Junior Gold right after that, where uh, everybody will take the run at, at Team USA, and, and also uh, college coaches will have a look at the kids. They'll do some seminars out there. And then I'm out at the Cagle uh, Training Center um, late July, early August, doing uh, some seminar work there as well. Well, Dr. Dean, I want to thank you for joining us tonight on the show. We're going to have to have you back again because I think this is something uh, we could we could talk about forever, but we'll leave it at that tonight. So uh, I want to thank you for joining us. Well, thank you very much for having me. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Take care. Yes, thank you, Doctor. It was a pleasure. <laughs>